Friends, Romans, countrymen, let me your ears, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to the MC Lars Podcast. It is Monday, February 3rd. This is episode 75 with Brian from the Gossicals. I'm going on tour Wednesday on the Baby Yoda 2020 campaign trail with Schaefer the Dark Lord and the Double Clicks. They join me at the end. So be sure to grab your tickets because we are going to be all over the East Coast. The Midwest will be in the South. It's my only tour of the year. Doing some new songs, some songs I don't play a lot. Um, doing some live beat stuff on the um, Novation Launchpad with Ableton. Doing some freestyles, doing some guitar. Actually doing a lot of guitar. And there's so much good merch. Like, I'm tripping on all the amazing merch we have. So, come see us. February 5th, Boston. February 6th, Brooklyn. February 7th, Philly. February 8th, Baltimore. February 9th, Carborough, North Carolina. February 11th, Orlando, Florida. February 12th, Atlanta, Georgia. February 14th, Austin, Texas. February 15th, Dallas. Dallas, February 16th, Oklahoma City, February 17th, Kansas City, February 19th, Minneapolis, February 21st, Chicago, February 22nd, Lakewood, Ohio, which is Cleveland, basically, the 23rd, Ann Arbor, Michigan, which is Greater Detroit, the 25th, Columbus, 26th, Rochester. I know me saying Greater Detroit is Ann Arbor. People from Detroit probably like, no, it's not, but the Detroit area, I guess I could say. And people, and we're actually playing Winter Park, not Orlando. But anyway, it's going to be a great tour. Come say what's up. And uh, yeah, I'm doing my Loki song this week. I'm dropping that, then my Winter Soldier song. So for only $4 a month, you can get two new MCLR songs and have access to my entire back catalog, which includes rarities and everything. And then there's essays and behind the scenes videos. The Lars Patreon is cool. I want to shout the Patreon Larsians who are making this whole creative project possible. And especially the podcast shout out to Tina, Megan and Allison, the new ones shout out to the old ones, Rick, Laura and Kelly. Thank you all very much. Let's get into it. This is my interview with Brian from the Gossicals. I discovered him through the Fump, which is the funny music project, the Dr. Demento inspired, um, kind of nerd music, comedy music collective. And then I did a show with him at the Edgar Allan Poe Festival. And we actually collaborated on a song together with Rodney from the Dead Milkman, which we'll hear about a like Spanish teen vampire show that I'd never heard of called Chica Vampiro. So we did a version of that. It should be what? Chica Vampira, right? I don't know. Who cares? So that is at the end of this. This is my interview with Brian from the Gospels. Check out their music because they're funny and they're energetic and brian's like the main guy in the group he's like yeah it's his project but he enlists different musicians and we have a great conversation and we go deep in our love of industrial music all right here we go Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here with Brian of the Gothical. We're both pre-social media fringe artists who have survived surprisingly long, right? <laughs> yeah, it's just like keep getting gigs, you know, uh, lucky enough to be doing so. And uh, you look back and then, oh man, it's been 20 years. When you st first started, did you have any idea it would last this long? Like the idea was to, uh, you know, maybe we'll get uh to uh open for bands i like and that way i can save myself the eight dollar cover charge which is an astronomical amount of money when you're 20 years old but uh yeah it uh it's gone to some really great places i uh it, that's kind of self-aggrandizing but uh, hey you gotta call them like you see them where did you grow up 
in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and then spent a significant amount of time in Chicago. So I'm kind of from there. And I've been in Boston for uh, like a year and a half now. So I, I don't know if I'm from here yet, but like, it's cool. I like it. I want to be from here. It's funny. Milwaukee and Chicago, it's only like a few hours from there, right? You can get there in an hour and a half. Like, it's a pretty common move. Like, if you're if you're a happening rad dude in Milwaukee, you just eventually move to Chicago. Not that there's not friends and wonderful people in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I should I should I should say. So Boston is home. Would you consider? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Now the Midwest has always had a great history of industrial music and going back to what ministry and 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 Nine Inch Nails and everything. And so coming, do you think being from the Midwest made you? fall in love with that type of dark like electronic music or do you think you would have been into it no matter where you were from i think i would have been into it uh no matter where you're from like in in the sort of the uh the dark ages like let's say uh the mid 90s uh the only bands i could find were were european bands like if you knew the name uh of, of an industrial band it was almost like a magic trick like have you ever heard of leather strip and um then you know i i would slowly i find these um these uh these american industrial bands after the fact and then realize like holy crap you know the ministry is from chicago and ns used to live in chicago and strong current lives in madison wisconsin what i thought he was german and uh so it it is a weird like um, finding the thing you were looking for was in your backyard the whole time. That's uh, the power was inside of you all along. That that sort of thing. But I guess what? Why do you think industrial music has such strong roots in the in the Midwest and in Chicago? Like, is there a re- is reason for that? There is a great documentary out now and one coming out that uh, focus on this subject. One is on the history of wax tracks, which was like a um, kind of just before my time, sort of pivotal industrial record store in Chicago. And there's another one coming out called uh, Chicago, the history of industrial music. Um, in the the first one, Industrial Accident, the wax track one, um, uh, Groovy Man, lead singer of My Life with a Thrill Kill Cult, posits that it's sort of the um the other thing like all the 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 hip and happening people are on the east and west coast and the the middle is sort of for the freaks his words um you know according to 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 tastemakers but i don't i don't know man there's a uh, there is sort of a bleak uh factory like landscape that that lends itself to uh wanting to sort of break out um, and, uh, industrial music can be very isolationist. Um, I think a lot of people, myself included, if I'm honest, start going down this road because you can do it with yourself in a laptop. You don't have to organize like a whole band. Um, and the, the, the Midwest, I think can lend itself to staying in when it's a million degrees below zero. Uh, maybe maybe that has something to do with it. Cities and places that have that are kind of like inclement weather in the winter, um, those right, those have created 
great music scenes. Like there's so many great bands from Minnesota and totally. freezing places and Northern England, right? Talking about the origin of like beat music, right? It's it's rainy and 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 cold. You gotta you gotta wake yourself up, I guess. I, so I've known about your music before I met you, and then you and I did a song with Rodney, right? The Chica Vampiro. Was yeah, that, that craziness. <laughs> but it was just Rodney going, "You should do this to me." You know, he's like one of those people who's his. It's amazing that he knows everyone. Like I'm sure that everybody we could do a, a podcast just on Rodney stories. I was so amazed by getting to know him over the years just how he knows so much about dark and industrial music uh, i i listen to you know uh, frontline assembly or skinny puppy or whatever but i'm motivated to write songs about um how i think otters are cool like uh so it, it, it works <laughs> its way in there what was your connection with the like dr demento fump luke skis uh ex-wife went to the same club I used to go to, uh, the Inferno in Madison, Wisconsin. And we were just oh. we were just doing our gossicles thing. They're still friends and she's like, uh, you ever heard of Luke Ski? And I'm like, yeah, I'm from I'm from, I'm a nerd from Milwaukee. Like I never met him or anything. I just knew who he was. And she goes, uh, do you want to play um a show with them? And I'm like, oh, okay. Not knowing what at that time, the fan run con was, um, I, I, I'd been to Gen Con a million times. That was in like my backyard. So I, I knew the big exhibition hall thing, this giant, giant thing. And, um, I had yet to be exposed to, you know, uh, rocking the Hiawatha room at a holiday inn. Um, so, so we show up and I'm like, I don't know what this is, but this is amazing. Um, I'd met I met the aforementioned uh, uh, Worm Quartet, who I just come across by complete chance uh, on uh, MP3.com. I, I know that they were talking about it on a, on a previous episode, but uh, he was there. It was just this crazy aligning of of fates, where it's like, um, you know, now we'll be I'll be playing like a goth theater in Helsinki. And then smash cut to like where my Klingons at at whatever con <laughs> in in a in a, in a double tree, people that heretofore live in the computer and now we're like we're talking about Nintendo games or whatever. It's great. How did you first come up with the name of your group at Union South in Madison? If you you wanted to go to the uh, the all ages no drinking university sponsored goth night, which is like where. Um, me and my friends went like I said it in response to something like I don't remember what the joke was but I just said the word right. gothicles and then uh, you know as I'm starting to to get away from uh, the the Yamaha QY10 sequencer and actually <laughs> hey yeah uh, get on to <laughs> like Cubase and stuff I was just like I'll call this uh I'll call this this project the Gothicals for now. You know that that got a laugh a week ago, and now it's right. a million years later, and we're still the Gothicals. I always thought it kind of worked like, um, you know, how like ska bands work in the word ska often, kind of like that. Right. So you know what you're getting, or like when nerdcore started happening, 
MC meant that oh it's a rapper and but they're doing they're calling himself MC even though it's 20 years after that was cool to do. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Like I said before like it, it all kind of boils down to you and a piece of software anyway. Um but for live play there's uh, some there's a ton of great people in the world and um for those Virginia shows uh, particularly there's uh, I get uh, two pretty awesome guys that definitely know their way around uh, a keyboard. So yeah, it's we're up to like 30 rotating members and stuff, but uh, how much time do you put in to those videos and do you, do you update them through the years or do they feel like I can't make a joke about, you know, like a commercial or something that was on TV in 2002 and expect it to land or, um, you know, I get better at, uh, um, you know, video editing or, um, you know, I mean, I'll often uh, throw in some in jokes for a crowd or something like that. Yeah, it's. It, it, it's pretty meticulously constructed. I mean, I don't have a lot of musical talent, so I like to <laughs> supplement that with visual jokes. Yeah. A lot of times people will say like, you know, you should totally play, you know, this this video I found on YouTube as the backing video. I'm like, I'm not just going to steal somebody else's thing. Like, I may reference right. it, but, uh, you know, let's let's make our own stuff. And... Um, you know, I will. I'll commission things to get made every now and then. Like if it's if it looks really slick, I probably I probably commission that uh, one to be made. But um, yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's it's like a it's a part of the show. So yeah, I I don't I will not just um, you know, completely just gank something off the internet and be like, look what I stole. When did synth like home synthesizers become a technology in the first place? Right. I bought I bought an Alasis HR sixteen drum machine off of eBay for like a hundred bucks, you know, an astronomical amount of money at the time. Uh, that was in high school. I had a I had a band, air quotes band called Sleeping Disorder. <laughs> um, that I transitioned a lot of that knowledge and some of the songs over to the Gothicals when I started getting into software. But um, it was. That it's an interesting it's an interesting thing because like that was always part of the appeal of the music to me like in when I'm just like sixteen year old Brian like I know what a punk band is I've seen eight thousand billion punk bands um, I'm I'm listening to Birmingham Six right now and I don't know how this was done like did did a wizard come down and shoot a magical spell at this tape that my friend Pat <laughs> dubbed for me like it's it was this absolutely uh, lockbox of a world. Um, so unpacking that one little piece of gear at a time, you know, with the Yamaha QY10, basically just sorting eBay by, uh, by price and saving up for the cheapest thing. About 1998 is when the real, like, electronically, like, you, there's, you know, horrific punk bands that you just sort of scream into a microphone for and, you know, call yourself a, a band. But... Um, really like began in earnest about 98. Did you have a four track or were you recording digitally or? I, I, I didn't have um, a, a wildly classical training. And uh, so I, uh, Madison, Wisconsin is a college town. Um, and like, so there's just these kiosks with a bunch of flyers on them. And uh, there was, I remember there's just the guy who was like advertising his home studio so I just, you know, I, I went there like on the bus, you know, I could have been killed, you know, I was just some, some guy <laughs> and, uh, 
we we banged out um uh he probably had you know like a four track like you said and and that's how the the first recordings were done you had to be creative right because it's like you had to, you couldn't rely on all this fancy technology it was punk rock quote unquote in the sense that it really was about the message and the energy you really have a distinctive vocal style that is like when i hear one of your songs i instantly know it's you and i can't think anyone who sounds like you thank you so much like every review i mean every review i've ever had sort of begins with this tacit apology uh for my vocals but um (laughs) that's just what comes out like i i used to think that i was like some singular touched by the cosmos prodigy and then um, like this one of a kind thing. And then my brother started making music and he does, he sings the exact same way. So I think it's just genetic. Uh, one of my mentors is, uh, uh, another friend of Rodney's, um, Angel Spit, uh, Australia's own. Uh, we used to both live in Chicago for a while and, um, I did a lot of recording with him and like that. So I, I got a lot of, uh, vocal, like he's like, Brian, Australian guy, I won't do his voice. But he's like, you you can't start out at a 10. Like, you're just going to turn people off if you're just, ah, like, right out of the gate. So I try to, I, I think about it. Like, okay, I'm going to start out at a 5, but the chorus will be at a 10. But, like, you know, we can't go right to Z. That's going to turn people off. Along that line, who are some of your favorite, like, gothic or industrial vocalists? Leather strip, sort of classic, uh, you know, uh, on anybody's top 10 list for all time industrial uh artist has this very bizarre vocal style like he sounds like a badass he's not doing like uh sing-songy but it's it it's not unmelodic and he'll he'll do this just bird squawk every now and then and that just blew my mind because it was so honest Uh, that's just like the sound that's just coming out of his mouth man so um leather strip maybe number one um, okay, I've, well, I, I want to. I don't want to rank him because it's music, so it's kind of the, how you feel on the day. Uh, I will go with um, Angel Spit number two, uh, meaning the second thing I'm naming, not necessarily ranking. Uh, in that, like, I just remember my having my mind blown because there's just like um, I'd never heard a guy shout uh, without any sort of. Um, uh, disguise like it was it was just mm. this this raw like I'm an Australian dude and I'm gonna I'm not gonna like hide the accent at all not that like anybody ever does but like it just really came through with his vocal quality um, and I was like this guy is not uh, f- putting any emotional filters on it like I, that that really impressed me and um, uh, goodness gracious now that now that I'm 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 working with like vocal effects uh, for some side projects and things, sort of the the there's a misconception that all you have to do is like fart into this effects pedal and magical rainbow beams shoot out. Like, now it's garbage in, garbage out, man. So you really got to work on on making it sound good. So anybody like uh, the aforementioned Suicide Commando or uh, Nitro Noise or or any of those guys are uh, vocally very impressive to me. Are you aware of an Australian band called Snog? Are you a Snog fan? <laughs> I love, yes, I love that. I, I discovered them in high school, the uh, the EP, The Future. 
and I was hooked. Yeah, I saw them so tight. I saw the, them play the craziest show. Like I don't know if they like a a a, a build like a, a venue like fell through, but the last minute they played it like the 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 craziest like um, sports bar in Chicago, uh, like Redline Grill. They had, they got to play three and a half songs before time ran out. They did Hooray second, so at least they got to hear that. But it was like this is I've been waiting to see this band for fifteen years, and yeah, it's better than nothing. Like, but it was just the the craziest. Like, it's definitely them, but but there's like the game on in the background. I've never met anyone who's heard of them, honestly, and I think that I thought of anyone who knows them. You might be. He comes out in a complete in a white suit with a They Live mask. And it's like singing through oh, this wow. They Live mask. And um, he's got two keyboard players that are like in head-to-toe vinyl. Like I was worried they were going to pass out because like it's like like a full body condom vinyl. And I was just like, well, right. I don't know what this is, but it's amazing. And, uh, I, you know, I guess I got a taste of the, <laughs> the live snog experience. <laughs> right. I liked how they were... Um, and they are, but like, especially that, what, that album, Buy Me, I'll Change Your Life, like the way their stuff was very political. And I like that song about um, 1984. Instantly, within 45 seconds, you kind of get, you know what the song's going to be about. But the musical things are very catchy and unique and they pull you in. And it's not just like stock production. And that comes from obviously that guy knowing his equipment and knowing, you know, production and being like i get the feeling snog is the the main guy's project and he involves other musicians and i see that similar to you and that's what makes that project so interesting oh thanks man i mean any comparisons to snog i will definitely take but yeah there's a a lot of time in front of the daw man um just banging this out and tweaking the littlest things and um yeah absolutely i'll bring other people in for uh production tips or uh the occasional guest vocal or or remix or any of that did you talk to him after the show um or like a a little just the dumbest stuff you know like (laughs) hard i had i had the hooray single in high school like um yeah like it was like um yeah my friend mike was the tour manager um Mike plays in a thousand bands like the V and V nation and, uh, now information society. Oh. And, uh, Oh wow. I know. Right. And he's like, uh, you, um, you want to meet David? And I'm like, yeah, I want to meet David. And, uh, I, I don't remember what we talked about. Just like TV or just some, some dumb thing. Like I'm pretty good yeah. at this point in my life slash air quotes career about not, fanboying out like i used to be pretty bad but like now i can like (laughs) not you know totally turn into a gibbering mass on the floor but like that that one i just i like band like i was about that level right 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 and and i bet it's like i bet he gets that a lot because i don't know if they tour in the u.s a lot there weren't a ton of people at the show like i think there was like another like industrial dance night or like another, another goth concert going on the same night. Like I remember people showed up like just in time for the show and, uh, it was, it was, it was, uh, super duper weird. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, 
like uh, I, I doubt he just like uh, it's not it's not Chicago to Milwaukee, you know, Australia to the states. Speaking of venues and sh- concerts, what's your favorite? What are your favorite venues in Boston now that you're a Boston resident? Uh, I got into I um I kind of went back to my noise roots. Um, the guy that I play with in uh, Boston now does these sort of like private open mic noise uh shows and that's pretty amazing um you get to sort of like test out new material if you want in front of like 10 people those are pretty great um in terms of public uh venues um we 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 just found this like local community center ish kind of thing like like if Boston was an eighties movie, the anonymously evil corporate guy would want to plow this over and put up a parking lot. Uh, <laughs> the, the it's, it's um, <laughs> for the uh, chip tune sort of scene. Like I, I had been sort of trying to get in on the industrial tip. And then uh, this group called Boston eight bit reached out and it was great. So um, I'll say it's called the jungle in, uh, in Boston. Okay, cool. I have not been there, but that's no, sounds cool. I, I, if if there's soap and the door locks and you can see yourself in a mirror, I'm wildly impressed by your venue already. If the bathroom meets those three conditions, <laughs> yeah, that's a win already. That's huge. Right? Like, do you make? How do you stay so? And as you're so active on social media, like, what is your? What are your secrets? Don't let things sit for too long. At least I don't, because right, it, it's the um, you know, it's it's then it becomes the poster you've had rolled up in the corner of your room for a year and a half that you'll get to someday, but now you've normalized it. And that's just where that poster that's rolled up in the corner of the room sits. So, uh, so kick it out sooner. And, um, it doesn't have to be that hard. Like, uh, somebody will say like, you know, can you do guest vocals on, on a track? Believe it or not, I get asked for guest vocals and yeah, Right. Crack open the mic and kick it out and it's done and now it lives forever on the internet. I don't think if MC Lars were like like a group of people, it would I would have survived this long. One hundred percent. Like for sure. Like I mean, that's what I was talking about before was like um most uh like electronic musicians I know are pretty isolationist. Like I can have that MCR or that MC three oh three or that or Fruity Loops or whatever, and I don't have to uh, coordinate, you know, somebody's work schedule or, uh, you know, in in fighting or anything like that. So uh, yeah, that the the solo aspect of it definitely helps. Um, you know, I work from home now, which is awesome, which gives me like an extra hour in the day uh, when I was commuting to downtown Boston. So that helps too. I'm curious. Do you have a favorite album of all time by any artist? Uh, yes, it is Kraftwerk's uh, Dimensch Machina, um, specifically the German language version. I'm not trying to be elitist. I just there's some tiny little like jokes that I don't think translate as well into English. Um, there's there is. Uh, such an, a love of the electronic sound with a pop sensibility. And uh, it's a short album. Like it's 
it's under half an hour and it gets in, it does the job like a ninja and smoke bombs out. And every time I listen to it, I just, it's one of those albums I can't listen to a song of. Like it's, it's an, it's, 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 it's an experience for me. Like uh, I, I have to like commit to listening to it. They did a version in German and a version in English. Yeah. Yeah. You're saying, yeah, the English one's pretty good. Like, I mean, they did a, they did a pretty good job of translating the spirit of, uh, one song into another with all the, you know, the goofy little language jokes and, um, She's a model and she's looking good. Like you have to you fit the cadence of something that was written for another language. Like it's, it's, it's pretty good. I just uh, prefer the German version. That's interesting. So are you, so you understand German? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, I did like a year abroad there and uh, I don't speak German too much anymore. Really only in like green rooms. Cause a lot of industrial bands are German. Um, <laughs> but uh yeah, there's there's a Gossicles track or two Auf Deutsch and uh yeah, I was like a, a German major in uh college, you know. <laughs> Which means I can that's talk a, to bands in green rooms. That's so that's that's pretty much all my undergrad is being used for right now. <laughs> and understand the um original version of German albums, right? Yeah, the yeah, lyrics. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I think I've done eight papers on Kraftwerk in like college German classes. Right. That's tight. I mean, and speaking of craft work, you know, it's interesting <laughs> how the, the crossover of um, industrial and electronic music and hip hop. And one of my first introductions to rap was this compilation. I don't know if we talked about it, but it's called operation beatbox. That was like, hell yeah. Uh, operation you, beatbox. You know that? Tick yeah. tock, tock, <laughs> tick tock, tick Christ analog down with the murder. <laughs> yeah. Explain so. Explain what that is to listeners. I, I think Operation I still do know that. Beatbox is, uh, for better or for worse, a uh, a cover CD, uh, a cover cover compilation CD of industrial bands, uh, doing doing raps, uh, like classic hip hop tracks, uh, Christ analog, um who does uh, natural porn killers uh, uh, later yep. became a pretty good buddy. And uh, Oh, cool. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, it's all Chicago stuff. And um, he finally broke down and did it live once. So I, I have seen it, that track performed live, but it's, it's wow. a pretty awesome uh, classic nineties uh, industrial comp. If you're into that sort of thing. And what I liked about it is in the liner notes, the dude from, um, the label reconstruction he talks about how industrial and hip-hop really at a certain point like once run dmc discovered the drum machine the the the, the instruments that were making both of these subgenres um were very similar and i think what's Hell so interesting aesthetically yeah. it highlights that great reconstruction reference goodness gracious um and <laughs> yeah. Uh, the uh yeah it's 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 the same machine like we're going to open up the decay on this whatever 303 and just get that like this this industrial fart and you know build a genre around it people like dre would eventually one day like i think he what he mixed or produced some of the stuff on the fragile people go really deep on that band and i i i am not one of them i don't know so you'd never really 
were huge into Nine Inch Nails. I mean, like Pretty Hate Machine, I think, came out in 1990 um, and should not exist. I think it's 89, man. 89. Okay. Like, yeah. Ring Finger will pack a dance floor on any night, uh, any industrial night anywhere. It's unreal. Um, Right. That being said, it was they, for me, like, like, I, I, there are people that like will go watch the latest Star Wars movie in the theater, and then there are people that get like really, really deep into Star Wars. And I'm in right. this metaphor. I'm going to see the movie in the theater, guy. Um, right. So like, they always had like a real kind of like um, uh, a polish and um, like a, 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 a really, really high production value that like it almost turned me off a little bit. Like I want something a little bit more basement e um, right. for my personal taste. They were a band that Nine Inch Nails, right? Like became a very mainstream thing. And I wonder if the industrial heads back in the eighties and nineties were kind of like, Hey, who is this guy? <laughs> right. Oh yeah. Nine inch nails. Like, like they're the industrial band that my mom has heard of. Right. Like what can we promote? Like anything you have coming up and, um, or any shows or anything. And also let's shout out all your social media channels. So everyone can make sure they're following your prodigious output. Uh, February 14th, Check out the Gothicals in Roanoke, Virginia. Uh, then in um, the middle of March, we're doing uh, uh, Madison, Wisconsin, um, Minneapolis, Minnesota, and uh, uh, La Crosse, Wisconsin. Then we're um, in uh, towards the end of March, the uh, Dark Side of the Con Festival in New Jersey with. Uh, Goodness gracious, any band you could name, uh, Das Ich, uh, Birthday Massacre, the aforementioned Suicide Commando. Then in April, we're going across the pond to play uh, uh, Resistance Festival in Sheffield. That's back. That's going to be cool. Uh, we are playing um, That's for the Gothicals so far. Um, the Dark Spooky Scary Side Project Gasoline Invertebrate should be out uh, very soon, you want. I I accidentally started running a record label that now has bands from all over the world. Check out Tiger Squawk Records or TigerSquawkDigital.com. Also, just out if you're down with the whole synthwave thing, me and Finnish synthwave sensation Nightstop just uh, uh, put together uh, a four-song EP of the Nightsicles. Get it or creative? Check that out at thenightsicles.bandcamp.com. Um, that is all I can think of. Uh, <laughs> I realized that that con we played together, the, the Poe one Raven con, there was a kid at that show, um, whose, uh, mom is uh, angel Metro, great musician, friend of mine. Um, he apparently told his mom that he's starting a band with me called aggro fist. And then we actually went and did it. So aggro fist is a real song that exists. Uh, so many side projects, um, thegothsicles.com, uh, facebook.com slash thegothsicles, instagram.com slash gothsicles. One more thing. Um, uh, I have uh, also a podcast called Industrial Nerds and a video sort of live streaming show called Space Couch, where I interview uh, luminaries and magnates uh, of music 
from a couch in space. I think that, uh, that I n- am, not to spoil it, but I might be a guest coming up this spring on Space Couch. I would do 18 backflips if MC Lars would uh, be a guest on Space Couch. The um, the, the Scientology track, the, the um, I mean, I remember uh, like being at my old crappy tech support job uh, and watching the video for download this song. And it's just like turning my day around. Um, (laughs) So the, any, any appearance from, uh, from uh, uh, Amigo Vampiro MC Lars on space couch would be amazingly welcome. All right, cool. Well, we'll make, we'll make that happen. And um, I appreciate you inviting me and it's kind of, it's cool. I've never done this where like I've interviewed a friend, on my show and then they've invited me onto their show. So we'll have like a follow-up <laughs> on what's been happening since between now and then. I mean, all the questions left unanswered <laughs> from the MC Lars podcast. Will be answered on Space Couch. Holler. Brian, thank you for coordinating this. Thanks for, I know you're busy. I know you're an active man. Um, thank you for being on the show. This will, this is great. I mean, uh, a, I just, I think you're awesome, and uh, I got to talk about myself for an hour, so uh, two of my favorite things. <laughs> Same. I think you're awesome, and I would love to do another project. I think that um, I think that Chica Vampiro is dope, but I also think we could do something maybe more relatable <laughs> or more understandable. <laughs> yeah. Well, you mean TV shows no one's ever heard of ever <laughs> aren't, aren't um, you know, on the, the number one thing the kids talk about? Those are the things that you remember, right? Taking chances on weird concepts. So we should, so we'll play that song now and let's, where can people find it? Is it on Spotify? Yeah. There's at one point there were a bunch of remixes of yeah. it. It's, it's SoundCloud, SoundCloud, SoundCloud. Put it into uh, that website and it'll come up unless some other weirdo wrote a song, a competing <laughs> Chico Vampiro song. If you, okay. So if you, so after you listen to it on the podcast, if you want to, Put it on your SoundCloud playlist. Yeah, I just found it. It's on the it's on the uh, Gossicles, uh SoundCloud. Wow, it got a lot of plays. Five thousand plays. That's pretty good. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's it's the Dead Milkman and MC Lars and some other guy. Like, you can't go <laughs> wrong. Tight. Um. All right. Cool. Well, Brian, thank you, man. I will talk to you soon. And um, this has been a great talk.
runs a Buffy can be okay. But I just can't watch them every day. Not when there's so much at stake. So drop that hero. Get with the zero. It's time to watch. Gusta mucho telenovelo, amor de justo, Colombian hit, niños pequeños scaring their parents and haunting their sueños. Max de la Torre, puede bailar, cuando Ulysses y Brian is far, Twilight is not, but still rock spot, Chica Vampiro, voy a mirar a lot. Y alguien que ha demostrado tener cierto talento para el baile, algunos dotes para el tacto, y bueno, tiene problemas de actuación, pero para eso estamos Este par de ardillas de discoteca. ¿Qué tal este par de ardillas de discoteca? Thank you, Brian. I'm glad we could drop that song. It's time for the Patreon, Patreon Larshan Larshan of, the week. of the week. This week we got Nick in the Netherlands who tells a story of discovering my music. Hey, Lars. Nick de Reiter from the Netherlands, uh, calling in from mainland Europe. Uh, I discovered your music way, way back when I was uh, listening to uh, Boning for Soup songs uh, and found your downloaded song, which you uh, did with Jared Reddick. Uh, have been a fan ever since, uh, discovered a lot of music through your collaborations, uh, and have been a fan of Nerdcore and all the other genres uh, ever since, uh, to the yeah, uh, hate of my wife, <laughs> which doesn't really appreciate my new music style. Um, really hope to see you uh, or any other artists on mainland Europe one day. Uh, don't really have the opportunity to go to the US or UK, so I hope some of them uh, we'll come to the U, uh, to the Netherlands one day. Uh, so yeah, um, and to all the other European fans out there, uh, we hope that uh, we can discover more of your music. Uh, thanks to the internet. Uh, thanks. Bye. Thank you, Nick. Great story. I hope to come back to mainland Europe one day. It's been too long. The only time I ever really did it was was Zebrahead, and that was an amazing experience. But I hope to return, and it definitely to the UK, probably next year sometime. I'll be back in the UK at least. Next week, we got Matt from Weedus, and it's actually his birthday, Matt Milligan from Weedus' birthday, today on the 3rd. But next week is with Matt, nerdcoretour.com for tickets. Uh, thanks, Brian, for being on the show, and we'll see you all soon. Bye.